This is Persuasion and the Public Mind. I'm Mark Bourdine. Today I'm talking with Tim Borchers, author of Persuasion in the Media Age and Vice President for Academic Affairs at Peru State College. We'll be covering a variety of media influences on the persuasion process. In his book, Tim writes, What we know of our world today is brought to us by media. Now, most of us think we have a pretty good handle on what media and media sources are, but it might be helpful to start out with a more formal definition. So, Tim, how would you describe the term media? I would say media refers to the people, structures, technologies, and relationships that bring information to us. Uh, This might be through entertainment. It might be through news. uh, But media really are a whole set of structures, a whole infrastructure of, of people and technologies that help us make sense of our world. We often think that media are very transparent and that what we see is what we what's really happening, but I think it's really important to dig deeper into into that infrastructure so that we can understand the effect that all of those different aspects have on how we make sense of our world. You also write that through research and observation, we can make some assumptions about media. First, that uh, media sources, channels, and content persuade us by providing information about products and people, that media present us with mediated realities, and that media sources are profit-making businesses. So I wonder if you can offer some context for these points. So in terms of media persuading us, media present us with information about um, different topics, and we make decisions based on that information. And it's really important to understand that information is never really neutral. It always has some kind of a slant or some kind of a perspective, and that as the media presents that to us, we tend to buy into what that slant or or perspective is, and then we take action on it. Mm -hmm. It's also that just the images that we see through through media on television or on the internet, those those images can be very persuasive to us. Uh, how they're structured, the coloring, the movement, all of those different aspects of, of images help them to be persuasive to us. And it's really hard to ignore that. It's hard to, to not be influenced by that. Mm-hmm. Also, with mediated realities, uh, media are, are show us the world, even though we've never been there. So we form impressions based on what we see, what we hear, what we um, what we see through the media, and and we form impressions based on that. So we might not have traveled to a certain part of the world, but we might have a sense of what we think that place is like because we've seen a television show about it, or we might form a um, connection with some kind of a person, whether fictional or whether they're real, uh, because of how we see them through the media. And you can really think about this with political candidates. A lot of a lot of what the uh, political candidates, when they, they run for president, for instance, there's over 20 Democrats running right now. People are forming impressions of those candidates based on how they perceive them to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might think that someone is friendly. You might think that someone is smart. And that's because of how they're being portrayed in the media. It's not necessarily what they're what they're really like. And then finally, I say it's important that we realize that media are profit-making enterprises. They are designed to sell commercials uh, for the most part. There are some nonprofit uh, media organizations out there, but most of the big ones are for-profit. So they're trying to get advertisers. And so that means they will often maybe do things that are dramatic or really intense to get people to to um, 
um, watch them so that they can sell more valuable advertising. And often what we're seeing happen is when a media takes on a, a an image or takes on a message that isn't in line with what people think advertisers pull their support from it. So it has both the effect of needing to attract advertisers, but also not lose advertisers. So it, it often changes the, the messages that they, that they send to us, or it changes how they're sending those messages to us. I think it's worth considering how the type of media channel used can influence our perception of its content and the role media play as gatekeeper and advocate. Will you uh, touch on that for us? Yeah, I think a, a real good example, a contemporary example, is how the Democrats are trying to get hearings about the Mueller report. Uh, they know that the, the words of the Mueller report are maybe dry and many people haven't read those. So they're really trying to bring in more of a spectacle. They're trying to bring in people who can testify, have it appear on live television so that it gets news coverage because they really think that how that information is presented might make it more powerful than than if it's presented just in a print format that people have to download. So I think that's a, a pretty good example of how all of these different uh, uh, visual images, sound, hearing people speak, how that all comes together to form a, a spectacle that really makes something persuasive. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, the, the media can they can kind of provide a stage or a platform for that, or they can refuse to cover it, like like often happens when there are bigger news stories out, or if if other things are happening. So the media can really be a gatekeeper for how much exposure something like um, a congressional hearing can can get. Editorial pages also give editors an opportunity to influence public opinion. Yeah, editorials uh, often are very persuasive. Uh, usually before big campaigns, for in instance, newspapers will come out and endorse particular candidates. Uh, editorials can often help um, further a cause for a, a group or an individual within a local community if they write a letter to the editor. Um, and editorials can really state the position of a, of a newspaper on a topic. And they can become persuasive because people again, form that relationship with that news source. And when that news source is, is coming out with an expressed opinion, that can often be powerful for people. Well, let's turn to uh, specific types of media for a minute. Our media options have increased dramatically over the past 20 years. A uh, short list would include internet websites, social media, smartphones, cable, satellite TV, internet, and satellite radio. We now have the ability to access information from around the world and interact with our media hosts. There is an increasing variety of media content for a variety of demographic groups, something we call uh, narrowcasting. The trade-off for our new options seems to be that our movements through the technology are tracked. We are targeted with ads based on our media surfing history, and because of increased fragmentation into special interest groups, we may well ask what we have in common as a society. Yes? Yeah, I think we're seeing uh, more and more that people are very much isolated, even within their geographic communities, by the kind of media to which they expose themselves. Uh, we see viewers, viewers of particular news networks 
having very consistent viewpoints with each other uh, and, and having a very hard time looking across and, and seeing people who are different than them and trying to understand their perspective. And I think it gets even more complicated when we when we bring in new sources that aren't as reliable or, or aren't as uh, mainstream, where they start to spread uh, misinformation, and it really makes us susceptible to the kind of interference that, that Russia did during our last couple of elections, where we rely on, on people to pass along through Facebook or through Twitter or through Instagram uh, media sources that, that actually aren't real, but that because they come from someone we trust and because they look like other media forms that we know, we, we tend to trust them. So let's uh, let's touch on the news media for for a minute here and how economic and social and political forces influence the news we get. Um, there are a variety of factors from decisions about what stories to cover to the cost of producing news stories to deadlines to the presentation of of the news, right? I mean maybe you can uh, get into that a little bit more. Because of those factors, uh, news really take on some characteristics that that influences not only what's covered but, but how it's coverage. News, news tends to be very personalized, so they like to focus on people in stories. It's, it's difficult for the news media to talk about abstract concepts or theories or ideas. They really focus on specific people, whether it's a shooting in a community, whether it's a presidential candidate coming to visit town, or whether it's some kind of just a, a unique story that might happen to an individual. The, the more often when you watch the, the news or read the newspaper, they're really focusing on, on individual people or, or groups of people. It's also very dramatic. Um, if you watch a lot of times the evening news has a lot of very dramatic imagery, uh, very dramatic uh, narration that goes along with it. If you watch some of the cable news uh, outlets, a lot of their news now is breaking news, even though it's not really breaking news, uh, but they they put it out that way so that people will will tend to pay attention to it. It used mm -hmm. to be breaking news was reserved for only the most extreme situations, but now you can hear that just about every hour. So it's very dramatic. Yeah, it's just also a, very another way what? to get attention. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's also very fragmented. We we don't often get the whole story. We just get the latest part of a story. So it's it's uh, you don't see too many pieces. Sometimes you do in newspapers. Or sometimes you do in, in some of the, the public radio where they do a longer story to really provide a lot of context, provide a lot of color to it. So instead, we just get bits and parts and, and very few people really have been paying attention long enough to be able to put that together to tell a compelling story. So they, they often don't get that whole story and they only are reacting to a few parts of it. And also, it, it tends to really normalize behavior. It tends to make things seem very normal after they, uh, when they're portrayed in the, in the news media. It, um, and likewise, it makes people who, who aren't, who don't fit the norm, it really marginalizes them. So it really tends to create this line between what's normal and what's not. And if something can't be put into to a normalized kind of um, context, then it, then it becomes something that, that's very much different and out there and something that, again, can create a lot of division in society. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, this business of um, uh, breaking news versus credible sources too uh, seems to be an issue. I, I mean, uh, uh, you have a certain amount of time to uh, uh, get the news out there and perhaps not enough time to interview 
uh, enough credible sources to to justify the news, uh, if you follow what I mean. Yeah, it's really important that um, that the news media do take the time to find the credible sources so that they're not just putting something out there. Also, I think that that relates to the talking heads that you often see on cable news shows where they bring in someone who's maybe not an expert on the subject, but they're given the microphone and they're given the chance to spout off on on their perceptions of it. And you've seen some examples where you have non-scientists talking about global warming, for instance, or you have people with no legal background trying to interpret what's going to happen in certain court decisions. And all of that really doesn't lend itself to a informed discussion of the issues. It, again, goes back to being more of a dramatized or more of a convenient way for, for the news media to create some kind of message, but but not a way that's very well um, researched and evidenced and, and something that's meaningful. So there's a wide variety of media programming that is not news. Uh, motion pictures, television dramas, sitcoms, video games, talk shows, and the like. And it seems that uh, many of us have an affinity for narratives that appear in entertainment programming. Uh, perhaps because we identify with the story or it elicits uh, an emotional response. Uh, over a period of time, we can become so invested in a fictional message that we form specific beliefs or values based on that message. Perhaps you can provide more detail on that. Yeah, there's been a lot of research that comes out that, for instance, if you... Um see a lot of crime television shows, you might think that crime is a bigger problem in your community than it really is uh, because you get used to that message and, and that's what you see and that's what you believe. So there's been some evidence about that. There have also been some, some storylines that have been uh, crafted for some entertainment shows that are really designed to get a message across or try to, to get across some kind of a point. And oftentimes they're, they're pretty effective at doing so. So even though it may appear to be only entertainment television or entertainment uh, motion picture, it still can have a very powerful message that influences uh, how people believe what they believe and and it can be very persuasive to them and and we do adopt different viewpoints based on what we see even in entertainment media Finally, today, I'd like to remind listeners about the variety of resources listed in this episode's description. Information on the culture of television, media's construction of political spectacle, and some interesting perspectives on the power of fictional stories. It's all there, so check it out. I also wanted to let you know that the podcast is available on most platforms, including Apple, Google, and Spotify. You'll find a complete list at anchor.fm forward slash persuasion. Thanks for listening. See you soon.